Good morning, church. Good morning. I hope you understand the, the doctrinal truth in what you sang this morning. Um, you know, we, we, we preach down doctrine, but a lot of times some churches in their worship, um, we sing the doctrine in which we believe. And uh, just what, a, what great songs you can sing throughout the week as you're going to work, as you're in your car. Uh, just doctrinal truth of who God is and what he's done through Jesus for us. Just three quick announcements before we start. Uh, tonight, uh, this morning, after our morning service, right here on the piano side, we're going to have our Fall Fest meeting. Any of those individuals who want to help with this big community outreach in which we have, we had it two years ago, um, we're going to have it again this year. Please come up front here. Uh, Heidi is going to lead a meeting here uh, asking what kind of help we need. You could be a member, an attender. We want you to come get plugged in in that way to serve our community on that day. Also, we start our out our, com- our community outreach basketball ministry, Faithbound, and that begins September 21st. If you are interested, we need some help for some Tuesday night games. We have Tuesday and Thursday night games. We'd love you to help come out. Um, stats, helping us in the kitchen, those type of things. Um, so if you want to come out, again, a tender, a member, want to help us in this outreach ministry, it's a great way to connect with many of you guys in our in our. In our uh, community. Lastly, tonight, our agape worship, communion, and small groups kickoff. We want you to come back and uh, come enjoy tonight as we sing, as we take communion, and as we um, just share what God is doing through our small group ministry. So we hope you can join us. After that, we are then going to have a little business meeting and vote for um, Heidi coming on full-time into our staff. But after that, we're going to have an ice cream social so they call them fellowship, a social, over in the Family Life Center afterwards. So we hope you all can join us. And, let's, and you say, you know what? I'm not part of a small group. It doesn't matter. We want you to come out. Let's come out and enjoy, enjoy, uh, enjoy tonight as we just share what God is doing in our lives. Okay, commercial's done. Now let's get to the Word of God. Amen? You want me to still do commercials? Is that what you want? <laughs> all right. Well, we've been in this sermon series of Don't Waste Your Work. Last week we talked about this idea of worshiping while we work. Well, today we're going to talk about this idea of bringing life to work. And I, and I want you to understand the, the, the big picture of that statement. Last week we learned that God created us, right? God created us. We learned that man is God's reflection. We also learned that God fellowships with man. We talked about this idea of being made in the image of God. And we left, I hope we left last week with this truth that we are all image bearers of God, all humanity. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer, we were all created, all men were created in the image of God. And it, what an honor and a privilege that is to be an image bearer of God, that he has given us dominion over his creation. Isn't that an amazing thought? And we discussed this idea last week. Hopefully you did it this week. You worshiped while you worked. Remember, work was created before the fall. God gave us work. He, he put that in us to worship and enjoy Him. So this morning, we're going to talk about this idea of now bringing life to your work. And maybe some of you will say, yes, we need life in my job. We need some excitement in where I work. Because we understand that who ruined work? Satan. Satan ruined the concept of work. Satan ruins anything God made for good and for our enjoyment. God, Satan ruined it to not bring glory to God, to bring glory and demise to himself. So I'm going to use, give three illustrations this morning in, in our culture to see what Satan has done in our culture for, 
the bad to ruin it. Are there other things in, in life that you scratch your head and say, like, what? And probably in our life today, we're saying that, turning on the TV, watching social media, we can say that a lot. By scratching your head, you will look like me with that kind of stuff going on in our culture. First is the movie Cinderella that has come out. Uh, good news, though, is this. This movie bombed at the box office. It bombed, and I'm so glad that it did. So this is Billy Porter. He plays a genderless fairy godmother called Fab G. That's really just cool. So Fab G, fairy, a genderless fairy godmother. Anyway, again, I'm scratching my head how that all works. So here's what he said in the movie. It evolved, and the thing that came out of the evolution was magic was no gender. So make it genderless, gender-free, gender, flu- uh, gender fluid, whatever you want to say. There is no gender. I pray, brothers and sisters, that we do not let our kids sit under this garbage. Okay? There's a point where parents, we have to say, you know what? Let's watch the old Cinderella. All right? This is just is, is amazing. So Satan is using Hollywood to promote this, this godless narrative of sexuality to indoctrinate our, our children. And here's what Satan says. You can be whatever or whoever you want to be. You want to be the 52 genders that are out there that violate Genesis 1? What are the two genders? Good job, class. Male and female. The second issue that really kind of sparked my attention this week was, the, was the, the Texas heartbeat bill. This is Governor Gregory Abbott who stood up and said, listen, we are not going to perform abortions, will not be approved after six weeks. Now, we as Christians, we believe life is a conception. But this was a start to save millions of babies' lives. And so when someone comes up with a bill like that, you would think, Yay! That is awesome. But what happened was the opposite. This guy was demonized. He was threatened. And actually now Congress is making another bill to do this. Just follow me on this. Here is what the bill is going to go and go against Gregory Abbott's bill of saving life at six weeks and beyond and say, no, we don't want that. That violates women's rights. We want a bill to be able to kill babies. That's where we're at. This, I mean, can you imagine someone saying, I, don't, I want to build to protect the, the, the life of the unborn. And then another group of people say, no, we're going to denounce that, and we're creating a bill so you can go ahead and kill whenever you want to. It's absolute insanity. And here is what Satan is saying in this particular uh, illustration is this. My body, my choice. That, 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 that's, a, that's a Greek word for me that means baloney. It's absolute baloney. And guess where it comes from? From the pit of hell. And we must understand that, church. These things that are happening, the Cinderella, this. Now let me give you a third illustration. A Christian school in the UK. A Christian school in the UK, a teacher was fired for going against their educational narrative of LGBTQ and transgender health class. Did you hear what I just said? A Christian school fired a teacher who stood up for the word of God. Now, to put things in context, Christian schools in other parts of the world, 
aren't like Cumberland Christian or Atlantic Christian or Pilgrim Academy. Good Christian schools in our area, they're just, a Christian's just slapped on as a private, this is a private school, so I can understand this, but can you imagine being that teacher who's at a Christian school who's supposed to follow the word of God, one man, one woman for life, you know, and you're fired for standing up against this. You see, here's what Satan uses in the area of the LGBTQ is this, as long as you love each other, that's all that matters. Where have we gone wrong? Where have we gone wrong? We've come down this road of life, and we look back thousands of years to Genesis chapter 3, and who was the instigator? Satan. See, I, I want us to understand, we, we don't, we get upset and mad at politicians or mad at Hollywood. We get just furious. Who we should be mad at is Satan, because he's the author of this. So I want to take, before we go into our study in, in Genesis, and we're going to be jumping around today, I want us to go to Romans chapter 1 this morning. We're going to look at one verse. And I'm going to give, Paul gave the, the, the Christians in Rome, here's the problem. Here's the problem. And it, 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 it transcends the past 2,000 years, and here we are today in 2021. And it was as true in the first century as it is today. Romans 1.28, here's what Paul told the church. He said this, And since they do not see fit to acknowledge God, is that where we're at today? And since they do not see fit to acknowledge God, what did God do? God gave them up to a debase. Circle that word debase. You may have the word depraved if you are in NIV. If you're KJV, it's reprobate, but it means the same thing. He gave them up to a a debased mind to do what they ought not to be done, or what ought not to be done. Is that our culture today? Our culture is debased in the things of God. God gave them over to that mindset. So who is the master of depravity? What's his name? Who has turned the perfect world upside down? And who turns everything that God has deemed good and glorious and has ruined it? What is his name? See, Now, like work, God has made work a part of our perfect creation. Understand that. Work was not after the fall. It was before the fall. But when you have the idea at work that it's a a chore, it's, it's a drag, it's a hassle, you hate being there, what is that? That is Satan ruining work for you. Because what happens when we have those men, uh, that mentality, we go into work and we're in a bad mood. We're not reflecting Christ. We're not reflecting the image of Christ, are we? You know, when Pastor Frank hates coming to work every day, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. I hope not. You know, the, the 80s song? Everybody's working for the week. What's that song about? Listen, get, get me through the week, because I'm just going to party on the weekend, right? Just get me through. I just hate my job. Just get me out of this job. I worked with a guy who, um, he was a, 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 an individual, a Spanish guy who, who couldn't speak English very well. There's one word, there's two words that I could understand. On Friday afternoon, he was riding a forklift around the, the, the warehouse we were working in college, and he said two words to me. He was, oh, Milwaukee. That's a beer. So what he would do, it's like, he's, Jay, oh, Milwaukee. What did I mean? He's ready to party this weekend. He's ready to go out and get smashed. Why? Because that's the philosophy of the world. Listen, get me through the week. I'm going to party for the weekend. As Christians, I hope that we start understanding that we are put at our places of employment for purpose and for reason, to display the very image of God. You see, what we're going to find out by the end of today is this, that because of sin, the ground that we walk on was cursed. Adam had to produce out of his garden, out of the garden of Eden, or out of the garden would be, would be painful toil as they ate food. 
out of thorns and thistles. We would eat plants, but there was work, hard work to be done. But to say there in Genesis 3, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat food. God is telling Adam, now the, la- now the labor, because of sin, is going to be plagued by frustration, pain, and suffering and toil. No matter the endeavor, it's going to be frustrating. And what we do with that is going to be key in our life. So having a job, whatever you do, guess what? You're living, you're creating, you're building, you're cultivating. It's going to be difficult, but how we handle that is what we're going to learn today. See, in Genesis 1 and 2, everything was perfect. God said seven times, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then the one thing that wasn't good, God fixed. And what was that? It is good for man not to be alone. And then he made women. Let's just, let's thank the Lord for making women. Yeah, come guys, you better clap this morning. God made woman. And it's, it's, it's the perfect marriage. See, the perfect marriage to that fact that Adam did not have to hear from Eve of all the guys she could have married. And for, and for Eve, she didn't have to hear that, she, that Adam's mother cooked a better meal for her, for him. Perfect marriage. But I want us to look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And there are three words that gave us a hiccup in the world's story, in God's story. And it goes, then surprise God. God knew this from all along because he is God. Genesis 3.1, and I want you to underline these three words. Now the serpent. Now the serpent. And the rest of that verse says, was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Now the serpent. So when we hear the questions, when people ask you the question, all right, so, so why are things so bad? Well, it's, it's the liberal media, it's the politicians, it's the political parties. Is that the answer? No. What is the answer? It's Satan. He is the one who's caused this for the purpose of taking our eyes and our minds off Christ, and for those that don't know Christ, pushing them farther away from the truth, as we read in Romans chapter 1, turning them over to a debased, reprobate, depraved mind. See, many of us maybe were grew, not, not grew up in the church, but Satan is this mythical creature that was just kind of created to what? To make you do good and maybe to scare you. It's just, you know, the, the, the horns and the pitchfork and the long tail. But let me tell you, church, and you, I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, Satan is alive and well. This says in 1 Peter, he's a roaring lion. So I thought this morning as, as we get into Genesis 3 and talk about work a little bit here, how we need to bring life to our work. I think we need to know who our opponent is. Satan. Where'd he come from? You know, as a coach, you, you watch, and you, before you get into a game, you watch the opponent to see who the, what their strengths, their weaknesses are. Well, sometimes I don't think as Christians we truly understand how powerful Satan is and the pull that he has in our life, particularly when we're not walking with God and how easy, easy it is to be drawn away. So with that this morning, we're going to look at two Old Testament passages of Scriptures this morning. So let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel 28. We're going to see where where did Satan come from? Where did he come from? That's that's, that's a right answer, heaven. Yeah, we're we're going to get there here. Don't ruin my message. No, just kidding. Start verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre. Now, I want you to underline prince of Tyre because we're going to come back and address who that is. 
Thus says the Lord God, because your heart is proud and you have said, I am a God, I sit in the seat of gods in the heart of the sea, yet you are but a man and no God, though you make your heart like the heart of a God, you are indeed wiser than Daniel. No secret is hidden from you. By your wisdom and your understanding, you have made wealth for yourself and have gathered gold and silver into your treasuries. Now, I want you to understand here, this particular, these particular four verses is talking about, it says, the prince of Tyre, the king of Tyre, who is King Ethbel III. Ethbel III was a very immoral leader for Tyre. He was a deity worshiper, and he actually wanted his people to worship him as a god. And that's why that text says that that way. So this here, verses 1, th- one through 4, is God telling Ezekiel, tell this king Ethbel III what his judgment will be. If you look at verses 8 and 9, here's what his judgment will be. They shall thrust you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of a slain in the heart of the sea. Will you still say, I am God? And so God is, is, is proclaiming judgment on king Ethbel III, king of Tyre. Now we get to Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19, the subject changes of who he's talking to. And you see there in verse 12, it says, Son of man, raise a lament over the king of Tyre and say to him. See, God was talking to Ezekiel, said, go tell the prince of Tyre. Here he's talking about the king of Tyre. Well, King Ethbel III was the king. Who is God talking to here? Who was really the king of Tyre? Satan. So now God's talking to the real king. Okay, let, let me talk to the guy that's calling the shots here. Now let's read there verse, verse 11 and 12. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, raise a lament over King Tyre and say to him. Now again, he is now talking to Satan. I want you to look at some of these adjectives here. Thus says the Lord God, you were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, sardis, topaz, diamonds, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle, and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire, you walked. You were blameless in the ways from the days you were created. Church, understand, this is talking about Satan. Before, the, before his fall from heaven, he was called what? Lucifer. Lucifer was the guardian of God's holiness. A cherub was protected God's holiness. In fact, some theologians call Lucifer the prime minister of angels. This is who Satan was as Lucifer. He was the chief worshiper. Actually, Paul tells the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 11, he says that Satan is an, was an angel of light. And this text clearly describes that this morning. And so individuals have tried, wondered why in the world, I say theologians have wondered, you know, what, what, what made Lucifer tick here? So here we read in this text that he was in Eden. He was there when God created the world, right? Then Genesis 1.26 happened. Remember Genesis 1.26? Let us make man in our image. Here's Lucifer, the highest created being, not created in the image of God. And God says, let us make man 
Some theologians believe that was the tripping point for Lucifer because we get to, we're going to go to Isaiah 14, if you would. Isaiah 14. This is the other text we're going to look at in regards to Satan. Isaiah 14. Verses 12 through 16. Now, this is this, this, the, the, the book of Isaiah, this chapter 14, has the same idea here. The first, four, the first several verses of Isaiah are talking judgment on the king of Babylon, just like he did with the king of Tyre. And now he addresses Satan here in verses 12 through 16. How have you fallen from heaven, O day star? That word day star in the Hebrew means shining one, one in high position. Satan had the issue of what? Pride. And when you hear, again, this is all speculation, but it makes sense that Satan was on this side of Eden, and then we get to Genesis 3, now he's a serpent tempting Adam and Eve to sin. Let us make man in our image. Lucifer, the highest created being, I don't believe could take it. And we get to Isaiah 14. I want you to circle every time you see the word, I will. How have you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn? How you are cut down to the ground. You who laid the nations low, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven, ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you were brought down to shield to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who brought the earth tremble, make the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? Five times Satan tells God, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Satan and a third of his angels were cast out of heaven. Even Jesus tells us in Luke 18, 10, 18, and he said to his disciples, I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. Satan, Jesus, Jesus was there in heaven, of course, as the second person of the Trinity. See, Satan ended up in Eden not as the day star anymore. He ended up as the adversary, the deceiver. You see, up to this point, God's word was truth. God, it, it, it always is truth, but up to this point, there was no questioning God's word. If we look at Hebrews eleven three, 3, he says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is another great verse that talks about, people say, what verses in the New Testament talk about God creating? Well, right here, Hebrews eleven three. 3, by the word of God, God made the universe. See, God's word meant everything. It was truth, it still is truth, it will always be truth. But this is the first time in the scripture, the first time in Genesis 3 that God's word was questioned. And here's the verse, Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more crafty. The problem was those three words. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So let's practice though that question with what illustration we gave this morning. Did God actually say there's only two genders? See, Satan's using the same question 6,000 years later. Did God say there's really only two genders? Did, did God say that, that, that life really begins at conception? Did God really say that? 
Did God really say that marriage is just one man and one woman? Come on now. Come on, culture. Did he really say that? Do you see what Satan has been doing? He's questioning the authority of God. So I, I hope you see this morning and you say, well, okay, wait, you really went far from where we're talking about work, but I didn't because we understand who ruins everything God created as Satan, and we need to know who our opponent is. And it gives you a little history of where Satan came from, who he was. He is an angel of light. He still can be considered an angel of light as he deceives us. I've said it before, when we're tempted in sin, it's just not this evil, wicked person that's coming at us, is it? No, Satan makes sin look what? Beautiful. Or else we wouldn't participate with it. Come on, think about it. It's that idea of that, the, the, the fishing lure. You guys that are fishermen, I'm not. A fisherman, that, that, look, because I never catch fish. The, the, the idea of getting that right lure to, to get that fish into your boat. Well, each and every single one of us have a fishing box with lures that Satan has and his demons have for us. And it is very delightful. He wants to get us and attract us to come away from God and his will. And he will constantly always do that. That's what he has done from the beginning. And that very question to Eve, hey, did God really say that? And that's the questions we're asking in our culture are asking about the truth of God's word. Listen, you can always bet on God's word. It will not fail you. Will you receive persecution? Yes. You will. But always, young people, particularly what you're going through in schools and what you're being taught and being forced down your throat, always see what God's word says about it. That is the, the, the truth. And thinking about the topic of work, Satan enjoys when you hate your job. Satan enjoys when you hate your life. Why? Because he's winning. Because your mind's off the things of God. You're focusing all the negativity at your job. Remember, God created you in his image, so you need to be image bearers. He created your work to be enjoyable. Will it be struggle at times? Sure. But we can, as the cliche, whistle while we work because we know who we're made in the image of and we know there's a bigger picture for us as Christians. So what do we do with the ugliness and brokenness of the world? What, what happened? Well, we can see with women. Look at Genesis 3.16. When, when they sin, when we sinned, here were some consequences to those sins. So look at verse 16 in Genesis 3. To the woman, he says, I will certainly multiply your pain in childbearing. Now, you know, I, I, Judy, we have five children. It, you know, it didn't seem that bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not getting to dinner today. Um, for women, this was the part of the curse. And I, I was thinking this week as I was studying this, I wonder, you know, Cain and Abel came after the curse, so she experienced, of course, childbearing in that sense. But you wonder if before, you ever wonder before the fall, what would childbirth look like? It would probably be easy, right? Right? Right, Donna? It'd be easy. God says, listen, I'm going to multiply your pain in child. So women, that is one thing that was part of the curse. But guess what? You go through that, you have beautiful children. You enjoy your children. You love your children. Even through the pain and struggle of that consequence of sin. Another thing that women will desire, they will desire to be contrary to your husband. You will want, want to rule over them and there's this constant this, this sin nature, always striving to be more better than your husband or be, have rule over your husband. To the men, here, look at verse 17 through 19. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree I've commanded, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain 
you shall eat it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground from which you were taken from. So yesterday, I was cleaning out my garden. I was tilling it, picking all the, all the plants and things that are done producing. I enjoy it. Or I do enjoy that. I like working. But you know what? I was sweating. And that was not to happen before sin. It's to be enjoyable. But I still understand that now as man, we have to work hard and, and there's going to be struggle and trial just as God told Adam here. But did I enjoy cleaning? I did. I did. Because I, I enjoy being outside. And I, I know God has this, enjoys giving me this hobby of, of gardening. I love doing it. See, perfection because of the fall, was replaced with pain. See, a joyful marriage, there were struggles in the first marriage after the fall. Happy cultivation became sweaty toil. The beautiful garden became a briar patch. And once these imperishable bodies began slowly to, to, to decay and die, and they were thrust out of the garden forever, all because of who? Can't hear you. Who is it? Satan. See, everything was once good and it was turned upside down because they questioned the truth of God's word. And our, our culture is, is doing the same thing. And we need to know where it's coming from. It is coming from Satan. See, a world, world in which we live today is mixed up and it's messy. And it all goes back to Genesis chapter 3. So, they're kicked out of the garden. It's done. Okay, you blew it. You disobeyed me. Okay, you're on your own. Is that what God did with Adam and Eve? No. Because he didn't do it with us, did he? I, I, I want to see two areas that we see of grace in Genesis chapter 3 this morning that gives us hope at our jobs, in our schools, in our community, with our families. Uh, the, the, the first area of grace God shows, in despite of the fall, despite of the sin, despite of all these things that were the consequences of their sins, here's what God did. We see the gospel in Genesis 3.15. We see the gospel. Look at Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise your heel. Let me just put a Jason Palmer commentary on that verse here. Here's what it is. Jesus, the offspring of the woman, will crush your head, Satan. Here is what is going to happen. Aren't you excited about that? There's, there's the hope. There's, there, there's the picture of Jesus, the seed of the woman, crushing the head of Satan. And we understand, being on this side of, of the fall, and being on this side in the New Testament, the church age, we understand we're on this side of the cross. It was Jesus. That's the gospel. And it was given, it was, it was laid out in Genesis chapter 3, that there will be hope. Satan, you have not won. You have lost. And the second thing we see here in Genesis 3.21 is atonement. We see atonement. So we see the gospel in Genesis 3.15. There is a way that Satan will be bruised, and that is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. But number two, we see atonement. Genesis 3.21, And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. You're like, okay, what's, what's the big deal here? Well, in order to get skin to make clothes, what has to happen? Where's Tommy? Tommy's a hunter. What do you, to get skin, you have to kill an animal, right? That's, that's the way it is. Guess what? God had to take an animal and kill that animal, sacrifice that animal to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. 
their sin. And so we see here that atonement was made. And atonement, well, the final atonement is Jesus Christ. But we see here in Genesis 3 that God had to make a sacrifice to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. And he continued to fellowship with them. Because of atonement, we can we are restored. We can have fellowship with God. So we see God here, even this place, there's a way to heal. There's a way to restore. And we, as we walk as believers, everything we go into should have that mindset. Listen, I'm here as a restored, reconciled sinner before Christ. Whether I go to my job, I'm bringing life to my job. I can bring life. Some Christians don't always bring life to your job but we should. I'm an image bearer of God. I need to act as such. Because guess what? I know Christ. He has saved me. I am purchased by his blood. He's, he's atoned for my sin forever and ever. I would never have to pay for my sin because of Christ. Guess what? We, should, we live differently when we think that way, don't we? We should. And so as we think about work, as we kind of gave the introduction of who Satan was, who our opponent is, what he's doing, what he has done to the world, and what he will continue to do, is I want to give you two personal projects. As we talk about work, two personal projects we can do in our life and we can live out in our life no matter what stage of life you are at. And the first one is this, work well. Work well. I love what Paul told the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 2.10. He says this, for we are his workmanship. That word workmanship there is we are made what he has made us to be. He has made, we are made what he made us to be, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Are you a good workmanship at your job? Some of you are like, uh. Does anyone at your job even know you're a believer? Work well. Work well. Young people who are, who are particularly in this particular culture, uh, as I tell my kids, listen, you get a job, you just, just show up to work and work your hours, and you're going to move up in the company because there's people in the world that just can't figure that out. Work well. Work as an image bearer of God, as God's workmanship. God will give you the wisdom, the strength, in the different areas of your job. He will give you what you need to deal with that difficult boss. But remember, every time you get that negative thought, I hate my job, I hate my boss, I hate my coworker, that's Satan. And he wants you to be distracted from what your goal and what God has you at your job to do. And that's to be an image bearer, to be reflection of Christ. The second project I want you to have, so, so, so work well, do a good job too, is work hard. Colossians 3, 23 and 24, Paul told the church of Colossae this. He said this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Yes, tomorrow, when your boss drives you nuts, you work for Christ. You know, when you're sweeping that floor, at home in the kitchen, when you're sweeping that gym floor as a janitor or a maintenance person, guess what? You're working for Christ. When you're sitting at that doctor's appointment, waiting and waiting to get called back, and it seems like you're never getting called back, and your patience is like going out the door. I've been there, you can tell, right? Guess what? You're a reflection of Christ. 
You're an image bearer of Christ. When you have the, the 150, 200 emails to go through each and every day, work hard. You're a reflection of Christ. How are you handling that? See, whatever we do, we serve Christ. See, Satan wants to get in our minds and distract and deflect us and get our, our, our focus on something else. This person where my boss, I don't like my job. We've got to get back to the basics. We are here, all of us, in the area of influence he has us for purpose and reason and as to be an influence and image bearer of Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, as we close this morning, we know who our enemy is. We know what he's seeking to do in our lives. So now we have to leave here and work this out. Work out this idea. I'm not going to let Satan get in my mind. I'm not going to let him attract me away from what I need to be doing when it comes to serving Christ in every part of your life. It, Paul said this way in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, and whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you do that this week? Will you serve the Lord? Understand that the jobs that he has you doing, we can bring life to work. We can bring Jesus to work. People can see that smile on your face. They can know there's something different about you. And when they notice that, guess what? Opportunity arises that you can have conversations with people of why, why you smile all the time. Why are you always happy? What a great opportunity to share Jesus with people. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all you've done for us. Lord, help us to understand who our opponent is. Father, we're not m upset and angry with our, our country. We're not upset with the media. We're not upset with Hollywood. We need to be upset with this, the, the, the Satan, this, 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 this individual who's been the deceiver since the garden. Lord, help us to understand that we need now work on walking away from him and not submitting to him. As it says in James, submit yourselves to God that we resist the devil and then he flees from us. Allow us, Father, to do just that. Just head bows and eyes closed at this moment in time. Just, I want you to think about something as we uh, get ready to close with a song. Just think about work for you. How have you been working? How have you been living your life? Have you been a, a, te really a, a testimony for God? Or have you kind of slacked off and you kind of jump in with all the, the garbage that goes on at work with all the negativity and, and talking about your boss and talking about this and this person and people really don't know that you're a believer church that can change we, if there's any time in the, in the world's history things that are going on particularly in our country they need, our, the world needs light they need hope that beyond all this stuff that's happening around us, that they have hope in a man called Jesus Christ. As you leave here, think about how that can change. Will you work well? Will you work hard for God, serving Christ in all that we do? Pray that we would. God, give us the strength we need this week. We ask this in your son's holy and precious name. Let's all stand up together. Let's see the first verse of the chorus of we sing.